0: Hello and welcome to the premiere of Trinity of Life. I'm Christina Suzuma your host for this program. And this being a new format and the first time, we welcome you all. Um, it is very new. Uh, as you can tell, you are able to see us uh, get ready and get set before we even start the show. And then as uh, time goes on after the end of the show, you'll also be able to see us wrap everything up and say goodbye to our guests at the same time. Um, so uh, a few things that you like uh, might like to know. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, you can actually do that. And even on this format, if uh, you are able to dial in to listen to this, uh, just in case you are needing to be in your car or something like that, um, the number is 323 three six seven two again three two three four seven six three six seven two and the guest pin number for that is six zero seven three nine three pound six zero seven three nine three pound and if you are watching this online and you have a question or comment just scroll a little below the screen itself there's a little box there that you can type in your question and comment and i will see it on my screen so each day and every process that we go through each show there's going to be slight improvements as we go along as we tweak this whole system for all of us here and we thank you for your patience and i hope you just have fun with us as we move forward and continue to grow so today well trinity of life what is what does that mean Um, we hear that word trinity mentioned quite often For me, it's always been the joining, the joining of that pyramid, so to say. That pyramid is so powerful. Um, We hear body, mind, spirit, connecting and rebalancing of body, mind, spirit. And also, for me, as I've moved through my journey and working with people of all ages in the healing arts, the understanding of a child an adult and an elder and really the elders i always call our wisdom keepers because you know as they say as we get older we get wiser and they have so much knowledge and stories that they share with us and continue to bring forward in what uh, many cultures would call talk story that they they really sort of help us to, to to nurture us no matter what age we are so it's also the connection of that pyramid that trinity and when you put it all together it ends up being a wonderful tetrahedron so it's really very beautiful so this is our show you know uh, trinity of life which will be we will be covering topics for children for adults, for teens, you know, for our elders, and hopefully a lot of talk story that we can invite some of our elders to come in and actually share some of their stories. And this is also a platform where we invite you as um, our participants, our audience, that if you have a wonderful, lovely story that you would like to share with others uh, all around the globe, we honor that. and, And, you know, that's how we learn from each other. And we honor each other because all of us have that spirit inside us, which, you know, we are teachers of some sort for the next person. So, you know, one drop is a thousand waves and why not be that drop, right? So joining us here today is a very, very special guest. Now, I've not met her personally, even though she has spoken for us at our yoga meditation conference um, for the past three years. And again, we have never met her but uh, today we are very fortunate we are able to see her online we're able to play in our realms together online Um, thank you to cyberspace and of course thank you to our web wizard segovia smith today we have with us sandy bothmer now she is not only a yoga instructor which she teaches yoga you know very very often on daily basis but she specializes in an area of working with children from all walks of life, all walks of life, cultures and dimensions. You know, Sandy has this passion and you will all see as, as she speaks. Um, she is fantastic. And, and we hope that this is just the first time that we have her here as a guest, as she has so much to share with all of us. And we hope to continue to bring her back, um, over and over again. So, you know, we'll, Definitely let you know that, of course. But right now, let me introduce to you our special friend and colleague now, <laughs> Sandy Bothmer. Hello, hello Sandy. Hello, hello.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's really a delight to um, interact again so soon after the conference just happened a, a few weeks ago. I'm very happy to to be here to to share with you,
0: wonderful. And Sandy, you're speaking us uh, speaking to us right now from Florida. Is that right? Yes,
1: I'm in Florida. This is where I am for a few months of the year. I have elderly parents, the wisdom keepers you are know, speaking of, who I um, at this point in my life am able to come down and watch over, and uh, you know, go to doctors' offices, visits, and. Keep track of things. Um, they're doing quite well. I mean, they have been will be married 67 years coming July. So uh, I'm extremely fortunate to have both of my parents still with me. So this is my way of helping and um, connecting. In fact, I just had an outing with my mom today, which oh. was lovely. Yeah, <laughs> that's very, very nice. Very nice. Um, so I am away from New Hampshire, which is where I'm normally living, except for these few months in the winter. Oh, that's wonderful. So,
0: so every, every winter you go to Florida?
1: For a while, since I, I actually did leave the classroom a while back. And since then, it was my way of helping out the family. Um, my brother in Illinois, which is my home state, has my folks with him much of the summer. So I was able to pitch in mm. and uh, enjoy, enjoy being with them Oh, very for nice. however much longer I have, yeah. Oh,
0: nice. Very nice. Um, so, Sandy, uh, now, now, so do you have everything set up in Florida as you do in New Hampshire, where you're able to teach in both spots as well? Because I know that, you know, we caught you in the middle of your going to a yoga yeah. class here and teaching yeah. another class there. And it's like, right. wow, she's leaving a, living a double life every
1: year. <laughs> well, this year is a little bit different. I, I am doing a, a service to my parents' community where I'm doing um, a yoga class for the residents in this community. And the people range in age from, I guess, you know, mid-50s. I have a 91-plus-year-old or woman who's coming to my class who's amazing. She's this little tiny lady, and and she can get down on the floor, needs help with the chair to get up, but she tends to not use the chair. So I, I have to work it so that those who need a chair have a chair there, in the event that it's needed and then on the mat so but she is like on the mat and doing very very well so i have that and then i i um yes i'm teaching another yoga class that's in a little studio next to a curves women's workout place and that just happened by accident so this year i'm a little busier with that i am doing some healing work also with someone that i have met down here oh my god so yeah i it's not as full as it certainly is back in New Hampshire. Um, you know, it's, it, part of it is, of course, being able to slow down a little bit, uh, which was certainly more my January, but then things started looking a little different <laughs> in but i enjoy it i a part it 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 fulfills me it brings me joy so i'm all into joy (laughs) oh that's
0: wonderful we can feel it (laughs) i can feel it well and it's how wonderful i mean so so you not only work with children you work with the elderly as well our wisdom keepers and uh uh you are you've continued your healing work like your
1: reiki work as well (laughs) Well, my healing work um, did begin with Reiki through the master level, as many people do. And um, I went on to some other trainings with um, Meredith Young-Sowers, which was energy diagnosis work, and then worked with Dr. Louis Mel Madrona, who is wonderful medical doctor, psychiatrist, Cherokee and Lakota. Mm. And so I did some Cherokee healing work with him. So who knows what I do now? It just happens. It's, um, it's energy work. It's... Um, it's very much spirit guided, and um, it's very interactive. Um, and yes, I am doing some of that while I'm here, which is another piece of me. It's like, what hat do I wear today? You know, I got to check in the mirror to see who <laughs> I am today.
0: <laughs> oh, How wonderful, though! You you can actually be able to sort of ebb with the ebb and flow of life, right? You're just moving with the flow of life and whatever comes in with your path. Flow. Yeah, huh, and
1: that's I great. think that. that that whole notion of being open to what presents itself Mm -hmm. to me or or to anyone, you know, just being, allowing things and being aware, having uh, an awareness of what might be coming your way. It may not be something you ever thought of. I mean, whoever thought I was going to be teaching next to a curves, I never imagined that, but I'm enjoying it because it keeps me using the languaging and um, and that's a good thing just to keep keep it going. Because a few months of not teaching does make a difference, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm delighted, yeah. So it's, a, it's about um, just being open to possibilities um, and not having a set um, outcome, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. saying, you know, yes, I, I'm looking for, I'm looking to work with someone or bring me someone who I can, can serve in some way, and then who knows, that's yeah. what happened this year, so that's a good thing
0: yeah um but but how wonderful though that um uh you are teaching beside the curves because you know that that is one form of you know the the physical body moving and hopefully as they step out of that building or that doorway and they see what you're doing in the next doorway and you know they they might compel them to actually attempt to find a different form of balance a different modality of keeping the body in structure (laughs)
1: Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we we need all those aspects. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that they are seeing that this is the good thing, even though in talking with the person I talked with didn't really know much about yoga, mm-hmm. um, the person was open to the idea. Some people had asked about it. And so they decided to put that in with some other fitness kinds of things, like Zumba, which is a lot of... Dancing fun, a little Latin dancing, but yes, we need to balance, so these are two ends of the spectrum, I think, and 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 needed by everyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sandy, uh, th- what I really wanted to show the audience today was these wonderful books that you had written, um, and uh, I have it right here, the Peaceable classroom, and this was her first um, first it, version? First edition? Yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> first version. edition. Version. Yes. And uh, uh Sandy just recently, this last year, right, came out Yes. With, a year uh, ago, almost a year ago. Is it almost a year already? Yeah. March fifteenth. Wow, with March fifteenth. It's called um Creating the Peaceable Classroom. It's she has completely collaborated in this one book. Yoga, music, movement, breathing techniques, centering techniques, meditation, feng shui. I mean, this is for children. (laughs) This is for us to be able to work with our children in our classrooms and at home. And I really wanted to bring focus on this book uh, today, um, uh, Sandy, because um, it's so compelling, I mean, the excerpts that you've taken out of it uh, during for the virtual conference and and giving us those exercises, it is really so simple and um, opens and expands the child's mind and ours, you know, because we get stagnant, too. And and I just found that it was so powerful that hence why you're with us today, that I'd really like you to share it with a, a greater audience now and not just, you know, in our during our conference itself. You know, so mm-hmm. Sandy, what what
1: compelled you to write these books? <laughs> That's actually quite an interesting story. Um, for many years, I was an uh, an educator, elementary school. My last position was as a third grade teacher. That's eight year olds. Loved the grade level because I could be playful and goofy and silly in my teaching, and and they you know they weren't too sophisticated or didn't think they were too sophisticated <laughs> to not join in the fun. <laughs> So um, I also, um, during that period of time, along with my husband, was um, teaching at the University of Connecticut at their summer conference institute on gifted education. I think they now call it enrichment and learning. Many states no longer and towns no longer have a gifted, in quotes, gifted education program for those children on the higher end. Depends on where you live. I know New Hampshire, it's a few here and there. Even the school district that I taught in long ago, let the program grow, which was very sad from my perspective. Um, now, is that just because mean, of budget cuts that they did that? Um, it had a lot to do, as I'm recalling, I may not be quite accurate on this, but it had to do with the school board at the time felt that um, classroom teachers would be able to do that extra kind of um, teaching or, or provide experiences in the type of work that a child at the higher end um, might need. Mm. So they, and, and I, I at the time I remember being astounded that um, parents were not up in arms about it. And there may also have been a budgetary factor. I'm, you know, I'm not really remembering that for sure, but probably there was some of that as well. But the, t- the, the program disappeared. And I, for one, was, uh, very welcoming to the teachers. There was one who did math and one who did uh, language arts to mm-hmm. provide for some of the students that I felt needed something extra. Um, I had so much happening that I needed to care for it for the more middle and lower end mm-hmm. that it was a blessing to me to have their uh, experience and expertise to, to help in those areas. But at any rate, um, going back to what we were speaking of, um, I was teaching um, at Confratute, which is what it's called. Uh, it's a, a word that Dr. Joe Renzulli, who started this were, um, conference, coined. It's a part conference, part, part fraternity, and part institute. Thus, the word Confratute. And it has been in now existence. This will be the 35th year. And my husband happens to have been one of the original people who still comes every year. Mm-hmm. At any rate, I was teaching. Um, a storytelling class, and which was at the time something I was very deeply involved with with my own students. I won't get into that, but i I asked if I could teach a class that I think I called creating a healthy classroom community and because I felt it was really important to provide a space, a nurturing an environment for students to be able to feel safe in, that would promote learning, and then techniques to help the um, the teacher and the student be in a better place so that they could be more effective as teachers, and be more effective as learners. Because we know that even at that time, which was quite a few years ago now, you know, we get stre- we have stressors. We Even kids have stressors. They have, you know, what happened on the bus on the way to school. They have a uh, little sister breaking and demolishing the structure that built out of blocks that the child had made. This happens before school. Dad's away on a business trip for a week. Um, There's an argument with a friend out on the playground. And so all those factors can cause a child to be in a state of disequilibrium, um, be upset. And that, of course, interferes with learning. And then we as teachers, the adults, whether it's the teacher or paraprofessional or even the custodial staff, I mean, you name it, the whole school community parents, all have times when we are just off. But being off can exacerbate what's there. So you get this spiral thing going and we impact one another. So it was that concern that um, I wanted to do this class. And so interestingly enough, it, I mean, it makes me smile when I think about it. I had been to Florida to be with my folks and came home to a letter from a publisher named Zephyr Press, who at the time was in Tucson, Arizona, from the acquisitions editor asking me if I had ever thought about making this workshop that I was planning to do that came out in, you know, the, the flyer, the brochure for Confortute that year, had I ever thought about making that into a book? Hmm. Well, I had never done that workshop, let alone Making it into a book, so it's like sort of jumping ahead, you know. And I, I sat there and I thought, oh, my goodness, you know. So I thought about it a couple of days, and then I, uh, I wrote to this person, and um, we talked about it, and I said, well, the things I'm doing are non-traditional. And her comment was, um, it's all in how you present it. And I thought, you're right. It's how, how you present it makes it okay in a public school setting, which is where I pictured this would be. So the long and the short of it was I had to do a proposal, a 10-page proposal, <laughs> that asked for things like, how many illustrations do you want to put in how many photos are you going to use what educational theories are you um will this book support it went on and on and i got really hung up on illustrations and photos i'm thinking how the heck do i know i (laughs) i don't even know what it's going to be exactly i mean i know what my format was for my class that i was going to do in july so at any rate I, i i guess i wrote back or said that i needed to um explore something there was um the spiral and labyrinth that I wanted to explore with children I hadn't done in my class myself and I needed to have a class to work with. So, okay, I'll do it in the... I'll get you something by the fall. And the fall came and I hadn't done it yet. Ten pages was, like, overwhelming to me. And um, long and short is I went to my... In December, I went to my yoga teacher and I said, this is what... Look, at they want me to send a proposal in. And she says, well, when something comes to you, you better sure take action and do something about it. And she was absolutely right. So I finally... Did it sent it in, and then I guess that in January, February, I find out they're interested. They're going to have a marketing meeting uh, to see if they want it, um, or they don't want it, or they want to do a feasibility study. So they did the feasibility study, and then I was sent the contract. So it, you know, it came out of I didn't really mean to get into that long story, but anyway, it came out of the the recognition that you know in order to um, be be effective and to be able to learn well you have to be in a place that's not all riled up or ill at ease you need Mm -hmm. to find ways and i was into those kinds of things myself with breath work and meditation and i'm thinking well you know i can transfer this and teach my kids Um, and so that was the whole idea to create a menu that teachers could have a menu of ideas And or parents, because the book, the new book um, addresses um, at home, the parent connection. So that's that's where it all came from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I feel really very fortunate and and fortunate again to have been given the opportunity to um, to uh, make it more full richer than it was the first time. I'm, I'm happy with the second. I mean, I was happy with both but I'm even happier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the new version. <laughs> and my publisher will say it's not a new edition. It is let's see how does he put it? a new expanded enriched version of creating the Peaceable classroom.
0: I, yes because, because of, you so much so much more is in there.
1: <laughs> right and and I really um you know, things always get better the second time around. You work with things, and you see how you can improve things. And it was really clear to me that it was important. If I wanted to reach more people, which I did, um, I wanted to have something for parents that they could connect to and bring it home. Uh, special education is a big piece of the, the school system, and you have those children that you can have t- their, those teachers uh, work with things in their own way, which might be slightly different than what you can do in a regular classroom. Mm-hmm. Depending on what the setup is.
0: Um, now, Sandy so, has um, in your in the school districts that you're in, um, have they taken this book in as part of their curriculum, or implemented? I wish I could
1: say yes. I I would say that individual teachers have. But of course, my my vision was exactly that that a school system, and I think that part of that. It, you know, I think it's a little more, um, open to, um, using some of these kinds of techniques than it was even when it came out in 2003, mm-hmm. the first one. Um, so th- I did have one school district in Brooklyn, PS 28, who, uh, had me in for a half day and they had their entire staff and half day workshop. The principal, Sadie Smith, uh, I think she purchased a book for all of her staff, uh, the teaching staff, the paraprofessionals, the lunchroom staff, the custodial staff. Everybody had that. And we just spent a whole afternoon playing together, working with various te- techniques that could be used. So that there, And that was exciting because here you had somebody buying into the whole idea of you know, creating an environment that's nurturing, supportive, giving teachers tools to help themselves giving children tools that they can, with help, mm-hmm. because they're not going to get it right away. The idea, in my mind, is to expose them to different ways that they can calm their bodies or bodies and minds or, you know, um, energize if needed, and that along the way, though, because they've done it enough and they've had enough exposure through the adults, the caring people in their life, mm-hmm. that they begin to know what works for them, and they can take that with them, mm-hmm as they move through their school career on into their adulthood. And my goodness, uh, my I imagine that they would be in a much better place than I certainly was growing up and going through young adulthood, you know, and, you know, raising children, all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really my, my hope is that, you know, anyone who works with the book will find two, maybe three techniques that they connect with, and if they happen to be a parent or a teacher or work with children some way, that those things that they connect with are the ones that they can most easily share with a a child and begin to teach them Mm -hmm. and model them. Um, You have to buy into it yourself first. You have to know that it can help you, and, and that's all you have to do is say, you know, what? I just tried this breathing technique, and when I get upset, it really calms me down. Let's try it. Especially with older kids that might think something seems goofy, you have to give, them, <laughs> you have to give them a reason why it's going to be helpful to them. You know, like before you go out on, and perform in the in the production, the school play, or before you uh, go out on the on the field for your football game, or whatever whatever those things are that create um, attention and, uh, and anxiety in a student. Um, especially as they get older, figure out what those are and know that there's a way that they can help themselves. It's really empowerment.
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You
1: know?
0: hmm. Absolutely. Well, it, it's uh, what I found really magnificent was like during the conference when you did the the basically the teaching session. You know, for for the the young kids or children. Mm-hmm. Um, my four-year-old came in and watched you, uh, listened to you actually because we couldn't see yeah. you during the conference. And and I, it truly is like we as the parent need to be as silly and goofy and, and play it like that. So it becomes a big game, and we're all playing together. We're here. I'm, I'm sure we're going to load these photos up on the site or these little clips of video on the site where he and I are both right beside my desk, following along with you as you playing the instruments, and we're doing all the movements together. And he can only audio vi- hear you. He couldn't right. even see you. But because, you know, I was partaking, well, it really, he enjoyed and laughed and was partaking with me. And again, they don't need to realize it's a form of meditation. I think um, I so often run into people who say, I can't meditate. And I go, you know, meditation is, is not just about Zenning out, (laughs) you know, and, and being quiet and, and still meditation can be in something we do. Like, like, um, quite often I I sort of help people who are, you know, were raised in a, um, religion or, you know, um, you know, the way they go to church and they say prayers or they do chants. I mean, that is a form of meditation right there. Um, And I know for certain individuals like myself, a, a huge form of meditation for me is my cooking. You know, cooking mm-hmm. and preparing the foods is that's one huge form of meditation for me where I'm almost into a trance state. And, and as I'm, you know, prepping my foods and, and I'm mixing everything, it's, it, there's, um, there's a, a pattern, in a sense that my body's working, but my mind has this clear stillness that yeah. that I'm also downloading and i'm and taking in i'm working things out, I mean it's such a beautiful state of being that mm. that so for a child um they don't need to know it 's called meditation or they don 't need to no. know it's called Reiki or whatever name that that we have you know as adults for it
1: it's just all play yeah. right <laughs> right, well, especially with the little ones, you certainly do want to make it playful. And, uh, and and allow for their creativity, you right. know, to come out. And that's why when I did the sounds, it was like, well, how does this sound make you want to move? Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, there could be two kids together, but they certainly might move differently. Right. And that's allowing them to experience their bodies in, in a new way. Um, there 's no right or wrong, which is the beauty of it, which allows them to feel safe and have that room for um, exploring and being who they are and, and the way they want to be to that particular sound yeah.
0: Um, yeah Sandy, do you have a moment where you could give us a few examples from your book of some of the techniques that that would help parents and um, so that they have an understanding you know of the simplicity of uh, what you 're Teaching us, or you're right.
1: actually uh, gifting us with in the book. Sure. Um, well, we can we can look at um, just doing some uh, a little breath work if you see that your child is um, um, really upset, and you can do uh, something that I call in the book "dragon breath." Now, uh, in the adult world, it's probably called a releasing breath. And that's really simple. They're agitated. And, of course, you have to be careful. There's a place where there's no turning around. You just have to let them move through (laughs) whatever they're going through, you know, because whatever you say, it's just not going to work. So timing is essential. But if they're not, like, over the edge or almost, you know, at the the precipice, (laughs) then you might just have them take a deep breath in and puff out like a dragon. So I'll just stay seated here, and you can see what it would look like. It would be breathing in and then through the mouth, almost like letting air out of the balloon. Mm-hmm. You know how it, when you blow it up and you let it go, it's a so you would keep doing it. So I'll do this a few times. And what will happen is that the, the breath will, um, the stream of breath will shorten and soften until you can see you're, you're observing them and if you're doing it yourself, until you feel more at ease in your body. So I'll just give you an example here. so I'm just pausing to notice my body right now to notice that's another thing I would um, I would ask them when they were done how does your body feel inside and they may not have words for it but sometimes uh, did you notice how the breath softened mm. so obviously <laughs> <laughs> some tension within my body that I was expelling. So that was a good thing. So I'm glad you asked me. <laughs> something. I'm glad I chose, you know, releasing breath or dragon breath. So with the kids, you can ask them, you know, when they breathe in and have them pretend that they're that dragon breathing out that fire yeah. and blow it out and then do it with them. I would I would um, be doing it with them. Like I would say, breathe, breathe. If they knew the breath, if they already learned the breath, dragon breath, like I would probably teach it before I needed it and say, you know, <laughs> today you're talking at the dinner table or child's come home from school. You know, you go through all the things, what happened at school, how you doing, whatever. Well, I had something happen today that really uh, was really stressful to me. So, you know what I did? I did this breath and this is what it looks like. And it's called dragon breath. Isn't that cool? So, um, you know, guess what? You could do that too. So remind me, you know, I'm not, not remind me, but when you see them needing something to reduce that um, stress level, uh, you might say, do dragon breath with me. Remember how I showed you that? And then breathe with them. Take a deep breath in. I'd start and take a deep breath in. And then blow out your fire. Now that would be for a younger child. And, you know, you have to see, I mean, three and four, it may not work. Maybe you just, maybe it would, you have to try it. It depends on the child and how you present it. But I think it's always good to um, talk about these things before they're actually needed Mm -hmm. and refer back to yourself. And in the reference, I think it also helps to um, say why you used it. Mm -hmm. I used that, remember that dragon breath I taught you? Guess what? I had to use that again today when I was upset about such and so, or I I felt worried or whatever the right words are, whatever the situation is, because that makes it more real. And then you're showing them through your words and your actions, when is a good time to use it Mm -hmm. so that ideally (laughs) down the road that they'll have, they'll be somewhere else where you aren't and something happens that they get that feeling inside that oh, yeah, I can blow it out. I can blow all that tension out, all that worry out, whatever the right word is. But it's it's a partnership, isn't it? It's working with. Yes. So either as the parent or the caretaker, the preschool teacher, the after-school teacher, or the, the, the classroom teacher, the paraprofessional.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and I also find um, with a lot of the different techniques, uh, what's interesting is how... Our children, and I think I I remember this even when I was a child. um, How we are with our parents and how we are with our teachers and Uh, our friends—it's a whole totally different thing. So when parent is saying this to us, (laughs) right? We're going hmm, right? But when once we step out of the realm of home, we actually—I remember myself implementing things, you know, Mm -hmm. just because it was different. I knew it was different, but. You know,
1: just wanting to be the opposition with the parents. Yeah, I know. Right? And that, yeah, that happens as they get a little bit older. Yes. I mean, they're pretty pliable. And that's why I think teaching some techniques at a young age might, you know, make that work a little bit better. Absolutely. You know, um, I was also just it came to mind that with really young children, I have a granddaughter who gets really upset. I mean, she's either ecstatic or she's like really upset. She's learning to work with her emotions a little better, but like with her, just having, you know, you, you could try humming breath where you just hum. You know, hum with me, Christina. Her name is Christina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that humming can then kind of quiet them and uh, it's it's not having to think about blowing out as they know how to hum. <laughs> and, uh, and that would be uh, probably a, a good way for kind of a volatile child that's younger, perhaps. Right. Um, it's, it's a matter of, I think, seeing, you know, what they connect with. I mean, some days, it's just like in the classroom. Any classroom teacher can tell you that you can have all these different strategies to help manage your classroom. You have, you know, raise the hand. When you hear the teacher's voice, uh, raise your hand. When you hear the teacher, or eyes hear and listen, or the chime, or whatever you use, they just don't always work. <laughs> and so you need to have, and a lot of it depends on um, in a classroom where everybody's at and, you know, what, what the uh, degree <laughs> of the discord is or the sound, you know, to make it work. Like sometimes I used to use a symbol, and, um, and when they heard the symbol, they, they, they knew that that meant to be still because it, it was really, a, you know, that was a louder sound mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't my voice and sometimes using the voice is not, right, right, at least right. in a classroom, is not going to do the trick because yeah. they're used to the voice. Yes. And raising the voice, trying to get over them is probably not a good idea.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> From my yes. view. I completely yeah. agree, <laughs> um, uh We actually have a comment that came in. Um, And uh, so just to remind everyone, if you're watching this stream, there's a little box underneath the screen, if you just scroll down a little bit, where you can type in your question or comment. So uh, we invite you to do so, of course. Um, And we have here a uh, comment from Cindy. I think that having the dragon breath prepared during a non-confrontational moment is a great idea. I've tried similar things when they are upset, and it just never works.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. right. I think that's probably because the child is so into what's going wrong for them. You know, they're so into the emotion of it. They, there's no reasoning with them. You just can't do it. And so, I, I I'm glad you agree with me yes. because I think it is a, a good solution. And and then when you when you are done with the the uh outburst um when things have come down i would even say sometime later you can say wow you i noticed that you really were upset today can you tell me about that yeah can you tell me about that and see where that goes and and then i i i really believe in trying to find out um what's going on inside the body to help them begin to have an awareness of the sensations that are happening. So, wow, when you were really upset today, what was happening in your body? Do you know and and see if they can tell you with words? Maybe not. Uh, If they can, then say, well, where was that feeling in your body? And have them point to their belly. A lot of times it's the belly, Mm -hmm. the heart, the head. I mean, those seem to be the places where it's going to live. And, um, and then show me, you know, can you describe what that felt like? And if they can't use words to do that, just show me. I can remember asking a student, well, actually, this was a private client um, who was on the autistic spectrum, how it was in school for him. And this is what I saw. Wow. So how can a child who has feeling that inside their body be able to attend focus and learn
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's um, it was like very striking and that's probably due to all the input you know because there's usually uh, sensory issues going on but um, yes yeah, so waiting Cindy was a good idea <laughs> I hope that will be helpful <laughs>
0: Yes, thank I, you for
1: concurring. <laughs> yeah, yes. Thank you for that yeah. comment,
0: Cindy. And, and yes, I, I agree. I love the dragon breath. I love I love breath work with children. And, and uh, it's actually a lot of fun because it's the visual as well. When you can build the story and the visual around it for them, right. uh, they, they adapt so much quicker. I, I mean, even seven, eight-year-olds that I've uh, spoken to, the minute you give them that visual to work with, it it changes it It, it's then not just an exercise it becomes a play Um, and i find it works with some adults too you know
1: sandy (laughs) oh yeah well everybody likes story i'm sorry and everybody has a story and you just made me think of the fact that one thing that could be done and i've often done this with with groups of kids in classrooms um you know is well one thing was you said story is to create a story you know, like when would, you know, you've got this dragon character, what should we call the dragon? And when he blows his fire, what is he blowing out? Mm -hmm. So that you get at some of those um, emotion words, you know, those, those words that have a lot of um, feeling to Mm them. Um, So you could, you could create a story or you could create a story about your own child who just had this experience with a dragon so that they're, they're in the story as a dragon. They may not, you know. Hopefully, on some level, they will, they will, uh, you know, get what was going on. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a nice dragon who sometimes runs into some problems, like when such and so happened. Or you could create it together. You could do the storytelling together, take turns back and forth, uh-huh. and then see why is that? Why? What made that dragon have to blow out his fire to release all whatever it was? Mm-hmm. So you could kind of make a, a game out of it or a story out of it. And I just lost the other thought I had. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll
0: come back. I didn't write that of one course, down. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um Sandy, as we're uh we, we have about another fifteen minutes or so to go. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience? Um
1: another exercise or that that you'd love to do? You know, there's something in the book that um I've actually got my book nearby. Let me reach down and get it. Um let me find the pages in. I don't even remember the chapter number. Hang on a minute. Oh, it would be chapter 11. I have a Blackline Master. This one? Yes. Yes. Of, uh, well, yes, but on page oh. Oh. Um, 149. And then the following, the back side, 150. Yes. Yes. The, the <clears throat> first one is the spiral. I love this drawing. Uh, Jan Grossman is a friend of mine who did the art in this work. And actually, um, a woman named Jan Sattler is another friend of mine from uh, Laguna Beach, California, who did the drawings in the first. But this I love. Um, The spiral is a wonderful way to quiet the body and mind. And it it has you finger, take your finger and glide it between, in this case, this twiggy line all the way to the center, focusing on your finger. And as you're doing this, you are bringing into the center all those negative emotions, whatever it is that is upsetting you, getting in the way of your being able to do your best work, to do your best performance, to be the best friend you can be to a friend, to get the worries out, to get the sadness out. So you just take your way in, following your finger, and then you wind it back out. And I can tell you that... This has been a successful tool for a lot of kids in a lot of different ways. And one of the ones I'm thinking of in particular um, was a, uh, a fourth-grade child in a friend's classroom who told me he had been having difficulties with um, uh, uh, math math quizzes and tests. He was getting in the 40th percentile. They happened to use percentiles there as their grading system. And so we decided that he would try using the spiral. So he took the picture, uh, the the copy, because this is a black line master, and had it face down, um, taped to the end of his desk, the side. And when he needed needed it for um, tests or quizzes in math, he would flip it over, take a deep breath, finger walk to the center, following it with his eyes, and then finger walk out, flip it back down, do the test or quiz, And then he started getting into the 80th percentile in his math and quizzes. So his test anxiety really, really diminished Mm. by breathing and then doing that. Now, if this is introduced to a group or even to your own child, um, it's, I think, important to let them play with it for a while. And the idea is not to go as fast as you can, but that's what kids want to do. So let them play for a while and then instruct them that they basically glide the fingertip whichever hand. Most people use their dominant hand. And then you just follow that in, focusing on your finger as it goes slowly to the center. They can pause in the center if they choose. And then what they're doing is they're taking in all that test anxiety, all that worry about, oh, am I going to know the answers? Am I going to remember how to do that computation? Am I going to remember the names of these kind of triangles? Whatever the curriculum is, they bring that in. They bring that worry that... that, um, Ill at ease in there and then come back out. And so the coming back out is coming back refreshed um, in a new way, having released what was bothering them. Um, the school nurse in the building I worked in, which was a K kindergarten through third grade building, used to put this on her wall in her treatment room, and when the young children came in from the playground, you know, they cry and they cry, and you can't understand a word they can say. (laughs) They have to stop crying before you can find out what's wrong. Um, She would say to them, you know, Susie, just go over to the wall and take your finger and follow the path all the way into the center and out again. And they would do that, and the tears and crying would subside enough so that she could talk with them and find out, you know, what happened, where were they hurt, you know, all the specifics that they need to do. Um, so it was a helpful tool in in that regard. Um, for really young children like preschool age, this is too much. It's The path isn't wide enough. So I'm, I have actually asked the author, not the author, the artist, to um, render me another spiral with wider pathways so it will not have you know, as many loops into the center, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking maybe three, Um, but we haven't done that yet, and that, you know, was not in this book at the time, but as I um, thought about it, and I do some creative kids yoga with preschoolers, I'm thinking, you know, we really need to have something that's easier Mm -hmm. to go into the center and out again, but a person could take it, and the, the wonderful thing about this spiral, because it's an archetypal symbol of growth and transformation. So it is a transformative tool. And if children, I remember um, working with some first grade children in my former school. And we talked about it. And some of them told me as I went back that they didn't have the spiral at home. But they knew how to make it with their fingers. So they did it on their pant leg during school. Or no, maybe not at school, but maybe at home. On the bedspread. On their carpet, which has a nice texture which is really, really nice. Um, I have had private clients who sometimes have trouble sleeping, getting to sleep at night, the children. And so we put it on the wall. If their bed is against the wall, they can just turn on their side and follow it around into the center Mm. and out again. And uh, so there's, you know... (laughs) A lot of different uses, and they don't have to have the paper. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to put in a plug for a friend of mine in, in Barrington, Illinois, whose ne- name is Neil Harris. And he creates, I don't happen to have one in Florida with me, but a wonderful wooden labyrinth. Because the labyrinth is the other figure that I mentioned in the book, which is much more complicated. But um, the, the wooden labyrinth is wonderful because it has a nice feel to it as you go around center it's a a Cretan style labyrinth that i use primarily because i think it's easier to follow and um it looks a lot like the brain and you know when we're doing this we are actually crossing the midline which is a good thing to let both sides of Mm -hmm. the um brain connect and communicate with one another which helps in uh improving learning um so the the spiral and the labyrinth both i think are wonderful tools and i find that children as well as adults have a preference of one or the other. And, um, and that's fine. They both do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I will say I had only one um, experience in a classroom, and it happened to be my friend's classroom, uh, where a child was doing, I can't remember if it was the spiral or the labyrinth, at any rate, she started to get a headache, and she was a child who had migraines, so we had to stop it immediately. So I would offer that as something to be aware of, Um, and if you're working with a group, um, you might ask that first. What we did for her was the teacher happened to have uh, copies of... um, mandalas coloring mandalas from the mandala coloring books and that was okay for her because she wasn't going around and around it was that going around and around that seemed to be the problem so i don't know if she's the only one i've ever had have that situation occur but it's possible that someone else might who has migraines as a a physical medical issue Mm
0: -hmm. and what about the labyrinth though would she have been able to work on the labyrinth because it's not a continuous circle?
1: At the moment, it's hard for me to remember which one it was, but I don't remember which one it was. It was one or the other, mm-hmm. but it's still going around. I know what you're saying. It's not continuously around around. I'm pretty sure she was doing the spiral. Mm-hmm. She didn't watch it. We didn't want to... Actually, we didn't want to chance it. You know, yes, yes. if one was a problem, the other one... You know, it's the <laughs> other one is a little ho- harder to follow because the pathway is not quite as wide. Mm-hmm. So... I don't have a clear answer on that, but yeah, I mean, that would be a possibility. You could offer it. I think I would offer it and say, do you think this would work for you? Will this be a problem to you? I would give, I would leave it in their hands Mm -hmm. and not just say here, but the coloring seemed to be okay. And coloring on mandalas is extremely quieting. And I know there's research that, that shows just, just coloring itself, you know, and creating the design and the colors that you choose for the, the mandala um, pattern is um, extremely relaxing, mm-hmm. so it's another another possibility. And, and in the new edition, the next book I was going to black gets in there. I have mandalas oh. the in there. Yeah, right after. Or actually, they might be in front of. Um, look just before that. See, I don't know the page numbers of everything. Yes, starting on page one hundred forty, and. Um, 100... You can see some work done by some children, actually from Florida,
0: Liberty Elementary School. Right. Yeah, we we'll have it right
1: here. Oops.
0: sorry. Yep. Oh, which way am I going? Well, that's, oh. that's the first. <laughs> so go. That's the first.
1: Yeah. So this little girl is working on hers. I came up with templates, which are pages um, 144, 145. and oh, So these are, these are nice, simple mandalas. For... Think... Yeah. I'm not sure it's showing up, Christina, but there are ways to help you create your design. It's wonderful, and it was very, you know, a very successful um, activity. Most of the children, this was um, the children that I worked here in Florida with for the book, chose to do um, one of the two templates. Mostly, the one that had more of the the concentric circles to work with that was easier for them. When you get into older kids, they probably many. Or I shouldn't say many. Some will want to do it all their own from, you know, just the circle with the center, which is what the circle grows out of. And then the circle is considered as um, the figure that creates all other figures. They come out of the circle. Mm. So uh, there's I wanted a range of possibilities. um, and, And that's what I do. I mean, I will offer Three, three ways to do it and each child decides what works for them there's no right or wrong it's just what they think they can work with best to be successful with it
0: wonderful really wonderful so. thank you Sandy um, so I'm just looking. We're, we're almost at the end here now. And uh, yes, if if anyone would like to have any questions or comments, um, there's again a little box at the bottom of the screen. If you scroll down on your screen a little bit, there's you can type it in at the bottom there if you have any questions for Sandy. Um, Sandy, I just want to take a, a few moments. I mean, this is... You know, the education and, and creating the foundation for our children are just, it's just so important. You know, from the minute they're born, um, you know, people would ask me, oh, you know, when did you start signing with your child? And I said, the minute he was born, <laughs> you know, oh, literally. Yeah. Between the languages and uh, the, uh, the sign language, for the minute he was born. So by three months, he could even tell me that he was ready for milk. He, he knew he, oh. he would do this and he knew it was at three months. So, so... Uh, And we would play uh, what we'd call games with him all his life. Even as a little baby, we would pretend that we'd have a ball in our hand and throwing it back and forth and things like that. So everything was imaginative. And now he can go for quite a while just making up, you know, all these toys, you know, imaginative toys, (laughs) you know, so to say. It's wonderful. And so it's really never too early. And I found that so many of your techniques, even... Uh, you know, with the music, with the instruments, um, where you played them, children just love music and and you know drums and things, and they just move naturally. I mean, there's really no age range,
1: is there? I don't think so. I think that it's innate in all of us. I mean, all of our development as we after birth is all about learning to move. It's it's all um, moving muscles and doing head to tail and. You know, using the top part of the body while the bottom part of the body is stable. Think of the child walking around the, the coffee table, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, that, a lot of that um, is part of Andrean Gilbert's work, who is out of Seattle, who does um, brain-compatible dance. And um, she has this wonderful, wonderful program called Brain Dance that I did um, this last time on, on the, at the conference. Uh, Mm -hmm. so yes, I mean, movement is part of learning. I mean, we have to go through these different stages, but the good thing is that you can repeat, um, some of these movement patterns that are, are part of our developmental process, even when you're older and help make, improve the connections. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you, you hear about children who do not crawl and how crawling is so important for learning to read and being able to read well, so if a child missed that stage, you know, by doing some of these patterns, you can help um, uh, improve that particular connection. So yes, movement is fun, and it's and and certainly um, people like um, uh, Eric jensen have done a lot with the importance of making learning active, and. Um, bringing emotion and feeling to it and you know movement does it i used to use movement a lot in my teaching of curriculum i can remember it's bringing to mind where we were um a couple things molecules water molecules we had h2o and they had these funny little hats and i used my (laughs) symbol and we start out moving slowly we went through the stages of being just water and working into water vapor we were water vapor we were you know ice we went through all that and they moved by the way my symbol sounded. Oh, so I had great. all these little molecules of water moving <laughs> around my classroom. We spread all the dust and hard. I mean, it was great fun, but it was active, and they were being it and hearing yeah. it and learning it using various modalities. And we know that, you know, children learn in different ways, so it's important to present material in more than one way. Now, certainly, I'm sure, it's hard for me to remember now, but I'm sure I had something, you know, that was words you know reading also and art Mm -hmm. i mean we did some art things related to water and the water cycle that kind of thing and then also it brings to mind doing um uh the circulatory system and having the children hold hands and be the chambers of the heart and then i had I had strips of ribbon, red and blue, so that you had the oxygenated ribbon, and r- ribbon, and then the blue was that with the carbon dioxide. So they were glued together. And then so some kids were at the chambers of the <laughs> <laughs> holding onto this ribbon. And, you know, we were moving through the chambers and going, you know, the arteries bringing the blood to all parts of the body. And then when we were finished with that, the ribbon turned over and we were blood coming back. And having to be reoxygenated through the lungs, so yeah, oh, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's that's a fun part of learning. Is it, it takes time yes. to think it through, and you know, figure out you know how can I make this work for what I'm trying to teach? But it, it does embed the learning much that's more, right. I believe.
0: The the, the physical aspect. I think aspects. research does.
1: Yes. yes. Oh, wonderful. Which keeps moving.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, we have a comment, actually, from Segovia. <laughs> that means he's really enjoying, the tech is really enjoying this. <laughs> okay. okay. He, he says, uh, I love the idea of keeping the spiral by your desk. Perhaps I'll do the same. And prior to going live on YHTV while I'm setting up all the tech gear, I'll do a little finger pattern to calm my mind so that I can zen out before I have to push all these buttons to run the show. Thanks. Oh,
1: thanks. all right now uh, if i can get through to segovia that's an amazing uh accomplishment yeah.
0: <laughs> thanks, uh, and he all says right. um, maybe i can even post a version on our video prep page for guests of TV, so they can follow it on their screen before they dial in or live on air i like that idea very good thank you yeah that's kind <laughs> of fun you. isn't it there are many ways out there. <laughs> there are, there are. Um, so we've come up to the top of our R, Sandy, and, um, I just have one final question since, you know, it's, it's okay. We're still running live. Uh, these techniques, I, I know that you use work with a lot of children in special ed as well. Now, do you apply these techniques with them as well during your work and your private work with them? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do work with mostly it seems to be children who have anxiety issues, which mm. seems to be quite prevalent these days, um, I'm sure for a myriad of reasons. And uh, I work with kids on the autistic spectrum. I actually currently have a, an adult young man who's 27 who has no spoken language who I will be returning to work with. But, yes, um, I my, my focus is... I work in a couple ways: is to teach um, relaxation and rejuvenation techniques because I want them to to um, be able to bring these up as they need. So we talk, you know, as much as we can. We talk about what are the what what are their problems at school? What's what causes them? Where do they feel it in their bodies? So I always, I would say, always um, use the uh, wooden labyrinth that I spoke of as mm-hmm. we begin. And, and we, I have a double one, which we both finger walk at the same time. And Neil Harris, who has created this, who is a social worker, finds that it helps to um, bring you both in sync so that you can connect better uh-huh. and communicate better. Now, um, interesting story, brief one. Just that uh, one of the Asperger's, high-level Asperger's child I worked with, I, I got this double labyrinth, and I was so excited because I was going to use it with him first. And I asked him when he was saying, what do you think about this new labyrinth? He says, I think our energies are one. And oh. he was a fourth-grade student, and I thought, oh, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, so it was really wonderful. And it was, you know, just came out of his mouth. Um, was beautiful. So... Mm. Uh, Yes, I do use these. I also work with using yoga and movement. And I also then spend part of the time doing energy balancing work. So I combine those. It's very much a playful kind of thing. As they get a little older, it's a little bit different. Um, I'm thinking of a particular child, who, a boy who likes the yoga a lot. So we do a lot with that. I use a rebounder. You know, I use different kinds of things to get the movement in.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. So it's, uh, yes. I mean, we would love to focus, um, on one of our programs on, on the work you do with, with these special ed children, you know, so that it will help the parents because, uh, there, there's yes. a lot out there and, and we know that you know, it's amazing being a parent in today's world. There is just so much out there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, many too much. Yes. Yes. But yeah. you know, as you, as you know, you know we we try to find balance in other ways away from medication yes. and you know yes. homeopathy, uh, natural herbs, oils. Uh, that's sort of the direction that we always um, support parents in. And um, mm-hmm. yes. so now, if uh, we would love to have you back to be able to speak more on the movement of uh, and how you we could basically work with um, you know children that have you know special needs of any sort. You know, so that would be another interesting okay. program with you, Sandy. There we go. <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you for your interest. Yeah.
0: Well, thank okay. you. Thank you so much, Sandy. Is there is there a, a, a last tip that you would like to leave for our parents uh-huh. or our school teachers that might be watching this?
1: Well, I guess I would, would like to say that I hope that you yourself will begin to tune in to uh, your own body, mind, and, and the sensations that are going on with you, and then find ways, either from my book or somewhere else that you know of, to, to help yourself, and then begin to use those. And when you feel comfortable with your understanding of how they work for you, begin to work with your own children, your own students with them. Because I think, if in the classroom anyway, if you can offer a menu of two, three things, probably three is a good idea. Every child will probably find one thing that is going to be able to work with them. And, you know, you do have to teach it, and you do have to be there to, to cue for it uh, as a parent as well. You know, when you, you know, when you see your child being upset, you might have a cue, Johnny, and they look, breathe with me. It's can be, it can be a hand signal. It can be like your, you know, um, signing. Um, but, yes, you know, find for yourself and then share. And Mm -hmm. I think that if we have more and more adults um, who work with children, whether it's their own or others in other um, outside areas, schools, whatever, um, we can help them be uh, more at ease and, and function better, be better students, be better learners, be better friends, be better in every aspect of their life. If they begin early to learn how to understand their bodies and minds and what they themselves can do for it. Obviously, at the start, and even no matter what the age, they may need some assistance Mm -hmm. um, uh, from the people who love and care for them. So I wish you all well in finding a way to uh, become peaceable within your body, mind, emotions, spirit. And I thank you, Christina and Segovia, for um, bringing me on today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandy.
0: And uh, I'd like to remind everybody of Sandy's wonderful book, um, uh, Creating the Peaceable Classroom. And it is available here at Yoga Hub as well. Thank you, Sandy, for allowing us to carry your book here. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be w- really wonderful to see something like this going into the different school systems as well, because I think it's, it's very valuable to find different techniques where we can connect with our young you know, our young next generation, you know, the right. best we can and keep everything balanced for them as well. So thank you so much, Sandy. It's always an honor thank to you. have you with us. <laughs> and, you know, as you gift us with all your wonderful expertise, and we're going to have well, you back you. again.
1: <laughs> Yay, I'll be looking forward. To it. And thank you to those who tune in either today or at another time. Yes. Uh, if they, is there a way to answer any questions after this, Christina? Or um,
0: I I do any... believe we will figure something out, uh, Segovia. Okay. There are ways, yes, that we can um, okay. actually do that. I, I do believe on on uh, the program site, I think that we can, we can respond to some of the questions that have come in if you want to do that. So it'll be all wonderful. We'll get it all streamlined very soon. I'm sure you
1: will. (laughs) I have the best confidence in all of you there. (laughs) Thank Thank you you. so
0: much, Sandy and everyone uh, for joining us today. And maybe even after this is, um, Uh, finished the live stream as we all know it does go up uh, the recording of it will go up it gets all cleaned up and get posted up again so we're going to end the show right now and again thank you for joining us today and thank you very much sandy bothmer and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week at uh, wednesday at 11 a.m pacific standard time for the trinity of life thank you and have a wonderful week everyone namaste